I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about relationships and how they are our opportunity to figure out where we still hold some inner wounding. But first, a lot of catching up to do because so much has happened since we spoke last, Amy. For a long time, Cliff and I have had this retreat for couples on the books, and we got home just a few days ago after spending a week just outside of Sayulita, which is uh, near Puerto Vallarta. It's this really magical retreat center set in open-air casitas amidst the jungle on the way down to this path to the ocean. Um it's quite incredible, and I gave that gift to Cliff for our 20th anniversary in April. So the time to go arose, and it's not like it was a great time. You know, when you make a plan far in advance, <laughs> sometimes right. things change, and it was hard for us to go, but we really needed it. It has been a season for both of us of working very hard, and I think because we knew this trip was coming, even though my personal love language is quality time, I, I think it was almost like, okay, I'll see you in Mexico, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's how it's been for the last couple of months. Um, so I'll get into sharing that and some of the skills that I learned and the insights that I have, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, first, also in the meantime, we have both appeared on Katie Brower's Yoga Professional Summit. Today's Friday, so today is the last day of the summit, and people can still go to theyogaprofessional.com to sign up. Today is the day that my interview with Katie will air, and I know that yours aired a couple of days ago. So mm -hmm. for our listeners who haven't yet signed up for that incredible summit with over 15 teachers and leaders really giving us actionable tools to help us step into who we're meant to be. Um, what are some of the points that you offered? Well, first of all, I just want to thank Katie again, because that was such an honor and privilege to be asked to be on that summit with you and all these other amazing teachers. So it was just an experience of a lifetime for me. Mm -hmm. And I shared how to navigate burnout especially coming off of grief. I talked about my experience with losing my brother when I was um, in my early 20s and how our family, my family of origin, our tendency is to get busy instead of actually sit with grief and, and actually feel the feelings. My family tends to go back to work and work really hard and get busy so that we can avoid the feelings. So I talked a little bit about that. I also talked about as an entrepreneur and as a business owner that I'm not for everybody. And that's okay. Really 
giving permission to other entrepreneurs or other teachers or other people who are offering things out into the world to not try to be everything for everybody, that it just doesn't work. And to really find your ideal client, your ideal person that you want to work with or what it is that really lights you up and to put everything into that and not try to morph yourself into being something for everybody that that you really dilute your offerings when you do that and it was it was great i loved the experience so i hope people do go sign up for katie brower's yoga professional summit because even if you're not a yoga teacher there's so many great offerings in there that i think there's a there's a good nugget of wisdom in there for anybody i love that you shared that we're not for everyone both in business. And that's just such a lesson for all of us in our life too. And we've all been raised to be little people pleasers. We're all in the spectrum there at some level. And it is a powerful lesson to realize that, you know, that person might not be my person. I am going to be too much for some people or not enough for some people. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and making that okay, not feeling bad about it, not apologizing for it. There are other people who offer what somebody is looking for and to send them that way and not feel like you're going to have to offer something that's less than because you're trying to fit everyone in to whatever your business is or your offerings, that their people are out there and to send them where they need to go. And I echo the fact that you certainly don't have to be a yoga teacher to benefit from so many of the topics that are going to be discussed on that summit and in today's lineup, which I wrap up that lineup. I talk a lot about um, what I talk about in my work, which is meeting and befriending and shifting anxiety in ourselves. I do talk about it a little bit from the perspective of anybody who needs to be presenting to a group, you know, like a yoga professional would have to do. But we all find ourselves in situations, even not in our work life, where we are surrounded by people and we are called to simply be ourselves. And for some of us, nervousness and self-consciousness grips us and it's hard to be ourselves. And so we'll put on a cloak of confidence. And I talked about how, you know, a lot of us, especially in this day and age, we're being diagnosed as anxious, as having anxiety. And we feel that that's our identity. And we really identify with everything that comes with having anxiety. We, we even use that language. Oh, I have anxiety. So we really lock ourselves in a, in a box when in fact, anxiety might be a messenger rather than a life sentence. And it might be showing you that your specific lens that you are seeing life through, which we all have, might be limiting you. And it could be an opportunity to show you that your inner landscape can change. And we know that we can do that. That's called neuroplasticity. We know that we can change the quality of our inner world because for many of us, it's not a great place to be. And for a lot of us, we're not even really aware of the quality of our inner world. And that's why it's so important to set aside time in our day for something that is contemplative, whether that be some meditation or laying down for a guided meditation like yoga nidra, going to a group class, which is more individual, like yoga, like Qigong, anything that really works for you, going for a walk in nature where 
you're just with yourself and you're watching and you're noticing the quality of that internal landscape. And remember that it is a choice. You know, these, the negative thoughts and the limiting thoughts that we've learned, we have a choice whether we listen to those or not. So I, I get into a lot of what really helped me over the years move to the other side of anxiety and how I now look back on it as something that I'm grateful for because I never would have embarked on a journey of self-discovery and real self-acceptance without it. I'm so excited to listen to your offering today. Yes, it's it's been a, a wonderful offering. And once again, thank you to um, to Katie Brower on behalf of both of us. And if you haven't listened to her episode here um, on the Radiant Warrior podcast, it was a wonderful, wonderful episode, a great conversation. And before we move on, I do just want to mention to our listeners, Amy, um, because you and I are not great at doing this, <laughs> talking Ooh. about what we have going on. We're learning, we're getting better. But I did something in anticipation of the Yoga Professional Summit. I wanted to have some sort of offering. And I remember when I was in the grips of feeling really self-conscious and really nervous, it took me a long time to go and find help because I was nervous about being in new situations with new people that that could have brought on a feeling of anxiety attacks. And so I always thought I'm going to record an experience that people can receive in the comfort of their own home. And I have this signature workshop called Warrior to Warrior, where I'm sharing this toolbox of therapeutic techniques that have come to me over the past decade in the realms of yoga and meditation and Ayurveda and personal development. And so I recorded a digital copy of that. It's almost two hours. I'm really proud of it. And um it's on my website now. So if anybody knows somebody in their life who is suffering with over worry or some irrational fear or just feeling that your internal dialogue is holding you back, you know, give it a try. I made it very affordable and accessible and it's my hope that it's useful. You can go to lisadumasyoga.com and um, search work with me, practice with me, and that's where you'll be able to find the Warrior to Warrior digital workshop. It's in my store. Mm, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy you put that out into the world. That just that just thrills me beyond belief. We've talked about this for a long time and the gifts that you have to offer are just invaluable. So I am so excited that you put that out there. Mm, thank you for saying that, Amy. I just remember what it was like to be suffering and not really know where to turn and feeling so nervous about talking to somebody about it, feeling really shameful about what was going on. So I hope this is um, maybe a solution just just for some people. Mm. Okay, so um, we haven't spoken in a week because I've been out of town. What's the latest with you? So the studio is amazing. I am just loving life in this community and I know I've gotten feedback from some of our local students that they listen. Mm. So I wanted to say hi and thank you for telling me that you listen to the podcast and I see you and it's just been a really beautiful two weeks since we've spoke. You've been gone for so long mm -hmm. that 
the offerings that we have at the studio right now are just so in line with what I want to put out to the community. We are, we are just really offering some beautiful things. We just had an amazing restorative workshop with a cacao ceremony at the end and it sold out and people loved it. And just to see people rest into the room to be propped up on all these props and to allow themselves to rest, to fully embrace the experience and, and receive our love and care that we were offering. There were three people in the room offering Reiki and it was just a really beautiful ceremony. So we've got more like that coming, definitely on the books coming up. And, and I just feel more and more every day that this is in alignment with what I want my life to be like, to be mm -hmm. able to connect with community, to offer healing in whatever form we're able to offer it, to allow people to rest, to give them permission to not have to do or be anything other than themselves when they come in the studio. So it's been a really empowering two weeks about the decisions that I've made over the past year with starting this business and, and, and not being everything for everybody. Our yoga studio is not a, a power yoga studio. We don't tend to do crazy poses or big poses. We really promote rest and that downtime and bookending the stress in your life, leaving it at the door and coming in and just allowing our students to if they just want to sit on the mat for an hour to just sit there and be and meditate and breathe and connect to their breath. And it's just been a really beautiful time for me to, to witness what's going on at the studio. When I got back from the retreat in Mexico, I was thinking a lot about the purpose of a retreat. And that's exactly what I brought to my students in my public classes at Semper Viva was you know, the opportunity to go on a retreat, whether it be a week, um, like I was very privileged to be able to go do, or a weekend, is an opportunity to immerse in something different, to unplug and to disconnect from the routine and what we usually think about and do, and allow ourselves to completely reconnect with both nature and ourselves. And a yoga class or an experience like you're offering there at Radiant Yoga and Wellness in Ohio, that can be our opportunity to have a mini retreat. Because let's face it, we are addicted to our phones and to our shows. And I'm right there with everyone on the journey on the airplane to and from. Cliff and I started finally watching Homeland. So I'm totally addicted to this show. <laughs> So, and, and I do notice that I'm picking up the phone uh, in the morning if I have it in our, in our room. So having the opportunity to completely change the way that we're living can be incredibly valuable. And if it's not the right time to head out on a formal retreat where you really want to learn some new skills in a protected environment, which really then gives you a better chance to bring it back into your life, then for 75 minutes or 90 minutes, having that opportunity to do something different and to rest and to quiet down can also be really powerful. So I love that you've gotten really clear that that's what your studio stands for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it and it really is. And 
we had a big open house last Thursday. There was a, a chocolate walk in our community, which sounds delicious. And it was the business community came together and opened up all the doors of the, of the businesses right around where the studio is. And people came in to pick up chocolate, but it was also an opportunity to meet people that might not normally come to the studio. And it was great talking to all these people because that's what they were seeking. Nobody really asked for the kind of yoga that might be more vigorous. People came in the door asking, do you do meditation? Do you do restorative yoga? They were seeking that, walking in the door asking. So it was just really reinforcing what what we were offering. And, and we had, you know, over the course of the studio being open, I've had a, a few people walk in and say, do you do hot yoga or do you do, you know, power vinyasa? And, and I said, no, we don't, but I can direct you to a studio that does if that's what you're looking for. But the vast major- majority of the people were looking for a reprieve or a retreat from their daily lives, from the stress and the pace of what they're enduring. So it was really nice to be able to connect with the community in that way and reinforce that that's what we're about. Yeah. And we're all different. Some of us do need to really move before we can rest. You know, this mm-hmm. is a partly Ayurvedic podcast. And so those of us who are very pitta or very vata, sometimes we need to move a little bit so that we can lay down. And I mean, you have some gorgeous and skilled yoga teachers there that are offering some really intelligent sequencing. So you are moving before you're lying down. But mm-hmm. yeah, all, all is good. Anything that gets us on the mat and, and with our minds and, you know, for some that vinyasa flow, if the purpose can be really to get into that contemplative state, you know, that can be really powerful for all of us. So I love that you're saying, you know, we're not for everyone, but this is who we're for. And if you're looking for something different for now, I'm going to direct you there. And that's so powerful too, as a business owner is we're not against other entrepreneurs, right? Working together can be so much more powerful. There is enough for everyone. Totally. And I firmly believe that especially in the in the yoga community that we have in Columbus, it is so supportive. We are, as yoga studio owners, I really feel that connection to the other owners. And I firmly stand in that belief that all ships rise with the tide, mm-hmm. that if we are talking about yoga and Ayurveda in any way, even if that student chooses to practice at a different studio, that's great. We will all rise as people become more aware of, the power of yoga and meditation and Ayurveda in Columbus. So absolutely, I I have connections with multiple studios in the city that I have no issue sending students to knowing what they're looking for. And I don't want them, I don't want to try to hang on to them and then mm-hmm. give them an experience that's not for them. The Radiant Warrior Podcast will be right back. The Radiant Warrior Podcast is brought to you by our weekly online seasonal program, A Radiant Year. A Radiant Spring is coming up near the end of March. And joining us means every week for 12 weeks, you will receive a video from us featuring practices and skills from therapeutic yoga and Ayurveda. You'll learn movement, breath techniques, meditations, philosophy, inspirations, personal inquiry, recipes, and so much more to help you feel your best in the transition season of spring. Go to aradiantyear.com to find out more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, speaking of experience, um, we want to share a little bit of the experience that I had in the retreat with the intention of offering some useful skills to our listeners around their intimate relationships. This can also apply to our friendships and our relationship with our families and our relationship with ourselves. But this retreat was specifically for couples with the intention. Well, we each had our own intention and I'm only going to speak about my experience because it was a very sacred experience for each of the couples that were there. It was led by two teachers. The One of the teachers has been a guest here on the podcast and I'm very happy to announce that the second teacher is going to be appearing on our podcast. So Yay. Mary Campbell, she is a beautiful um, intimacy counselor. She has been Um, learning and practicing for decades around the idea of women reclaiming their bodies and reclaiming their right to pleasure. She talks a lot about how we've been raised in patriarchy. And for many of us, we are in relationships um, or we watched relationships in previous generations where there was a big power imbalance. And when it comes to sexuality, you know, a lot of things are confused there. And sometimes women can feel um, a sense of obligation when it comes to intimacy. And there is a disconnect when it comes to women and men and how we feel about intimacy and a disconnect with our bodies and a disconnect with being able to talk about it. Like it's the topic of sexuality and intimacy is really sticky and it's easier for a lot of us to watch Netflix instead of dealing with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mary's part of, of Mary's message is helping women to reconnect with their own right to receive and their own right to pleasure. And she teaches a lot about the differences between men and women. And it's something that we simply need to accept how men are aroused and how women are aroused using all of the senses. You know, men are more direct, you know, right to the point and not for everyone. I'm not making any generalities, nor does she. But generally, when it comes to a woman and the way she experiences pleasure is being able to take off the mask of doing and trying and um, forcing everything in life and and the busyness of the to-do list, you know, that is like, that just absolutely exhausts our sexual energy. And the way our environment looks, if things are taken care of, if we feel safe, if we feel that we are able to rest, these are all elements of being able to step into the ability to receive and um, feel ready for intimacy. So Mary was there and she was joined by this brilliant body-based couples therapist named Nikolai Grossel. He practices in New York City. And I was just, I learned so much from him. I We just felt so privileged We were there for seven days and we started each morning with some Qigong with Mary. And this is her practice to help us really reconnect with nature and our bodies first thing in the morning. And how often do we do that? You know, it's hard to make time to do that. So that was such a beautiful reminder, even if it's for 15 minutes, instead of getting right into the day. What can we do to connect with our bodies, connect with nature, make an intention for the day? So we started that way. Um, we had breakfast and then it was time for some some work. And then we had these beautiful free afternoons and then we came together before dinner as well. And we did some work together as couples. 
and we did some. We women met with Mary, and the men met with Nikolai, which was, uh, and Cliff doesn't mind me sharing, such an incredible experience for my husband because he doesn't talk to other men about intimacy or emotions or, you know, some of his real experience. And because for him, he would say, and for many men, they weren't taught that that was okay. You know, that's not part of their culture. And I know things are changing and that's great. But, you know, he would say that that doesn't come natural for him. So the invitation to be able to really speak openly, I know that that was really transformational for him. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that he, he was so willing to do that kind of work. Mm. Wow. I can't wait to hear more. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> here I go. <laughs> well, I did want to share a couple of things and, and then I'm sure that you're going to be able to um, offer around your marriage, how you can relate with this. So we had a big reminder of something that I discovered early in my yoga practice that actually did transform my marriage. But Nikolai said it in a way that I've never heard it before, which was in any conflict in your relationships, and we're just, we're talking, you know, a healthy partnership. We're not talking about a, a abusive relationships here at all. We're, we're talking about, you know, your typical marriage or friendship or relationship with family. And we have those day-to-day frustrations or irritations or, you know, bigger conflicts. And he said to us that 20% of that is what's going on right there in the room between the two of you in the present. And 80% of that is already in you. So this is what I came to. And I've talked a little bit about this on this podcast. And you know, I, I think it would be good even to have Cliff on here when he's available. But what I realized is that the times that I was triggered in my relationship with Cliff, the things that he would say that would irritate me, the things that he would say that would sometimes make me feel so incredibly angry, what I came to understand is that he was triggering these old wounds in me. And it does feel so typical to say, you know, they arose in family of origin, but we can't say enough about what we learned there. And that doesn't mean that we have to hold on to blame to mom and dad. For the most part, they were all doing the best that they could, and they were reacting to one another and to us based on their own internal wounding. But our partners or our friends, people that we are relating to out in the world, are pretty consistently saying things that are triggering wounds that are already in us. And so our reaction is just 20% based on what's happening right there and 80% on what is already within us. And so our intimate relationships are such an opportunity to pay attention to, okay, what am I feeling here? And Nikolai would be the first to say that all feelings are okay. Now, if our anger is destroying the boundaries of other people, if it's causing us to be outwardly angry and then we're hurting other people and we're blaming and we're, we're using violent language, you know, that's not okay. The goal is to be owning our emotions, owning our anger, owning our fear, owning our sadness, but recognizing what we're really angry about and recognizing what we're really afraid of 
and recognizing what we're really sad about. And this takes time and this takes intention, some of which we do not typically use in a typical argument. What happens in a typical argument? I'll ask you, but you know, for us, sometimes one of us will get angry, one of us will get defensive, and then we'll, with, we'll, we'll withhold. So we'll, we'll protect ourselves by leaving each other and and sometimes and that's a good thing Nikolai is saying like in a conflict you do want to be able to separate so that you can do your own work and you can be contemplating okay I'm feeling anger and underneath this anger you know I'm afraid and then we can really say what is this reminding me of and when have I felt this way before so that we actually know what we're dealing with here and then we learned a skill which I'll say next um, of how we can come to healing this with our partner. But what's coming up for you is I'm talking about, you know, these day-to-day conflicts that irritate us, they frustrate us, maybe we even get angry. And what is that really about? And what is that really triggering? What's coming up for you? Well, when you just brought up the fact that we withhold when we've gotten angry, that really resonates with me. I do that all the time. If I'm not, we don't get in arguments where we yell or they don't, you know, go on and on and on. Typically we'll get irritated with each other and then we separate, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go to another room or we'll do our own thing or we'll get quiet. So that really resonates with me. It's not, our conflicts are not loud or verbose. They're, they get quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, our conflicts are silent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're, I, I'm going to have Nikolai um, on the podcast. And if you're willing, I mean, I think it would be so incredible for him to speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, w- what I know, because yes, we do the same thing. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And that is a protective mechanism. So we're sort of shutting down, we're coping, we're numbing but it's hiding something. And there is an opportunity there in those quiet spaces to be contemplating and thinking, okay, like what am I feeling? And being able to own our anger. If it's anger, expressing it. You know, Nikolai likes the idea of a tennis racket on some couch pillows. <laughs> you know, I, I have explored um, yelling into a pillow before because our bodies want that release. You know, our, our, our minds are constantly sending signals to our bodies and our bodies are having these big reactions. And if we move into quiet and still, and I totally relate, then we're not allowing our body to have any sort of discharge. So how can we experience the emotions that are there in a safe way? How can we ask ourselves, why am I really feeling this way? And then how can we safely come back together with our partner and communicate with that? So the next step, and I'll share what came up for Cliff and I, is many of us in marriages have learned this technique where you're doing some active listening and you're doing some mirroring. So I'll use an example. I've already asked Cliff if it was okay for me to talk about this. Um, I stepped up in our group for sure because I wanted to get the most out of this retreat and and really internalize um, some of these tools that we were learning. So when we had the opportunity to do this communication tool, I volunteered. <laughs> I'm like, 
Cliff, let's do this. And so you sit across from one another and the person who has the conflict or is experiencing the emotion begins to express themselves. And this is once you're calm. And what I wanted to express, because I wanted to choose something that happens often that is little, but it still bothers me. So I wanted to explore why it bothered me. And what that is, is that Cliff and I both work at home. And so we each get into our work modes. And I have learned through the years to respect Cliff's workspace, even though he's at home. And when I want to ask him something, I will first say, is this a good time to ask you a question? And be perfectly okay if he says no. But usually he'll wrap up. He'll say just a sec. He'll wrap up and he'll turn around. And because we've been married for 20 years and he knows that I really appreciate presence with him, he'll take a breath and he looks me right in the eye and then he's ready. And then I have Cliff, my husband. However, I also work from home. And what I experience is that when he needs me for something and we do a lot of work together and so he'll need my voice for something or he'll need my writing for something or, you know, he edits this show for us and he helps us with our digital video course, A Radiant Year. So he'll need something and he'll just yell for me. He'll just be like, Lisa, come here. And (laughs) and I feel like inside I feel this this irritation Because what that feels like to me is that he does not respect my time. And what it feels like to me is that his time is more important than mine. And so I express that to him. And the idea is I say, you know, when you call for me um, or expect me to come to you with no regard of what I am doing in my day, it makes me feel minimized. And actually, Nikolai said, you know, that's not a feeling. What is the feeling? And, you know, I, it, it makes me feel sad, ultimately. Hmm. And then the point is, is that Cliff is mirroring back to me. So he's saying, what I'm hearing you say is, when I want something and I want it now, <laughs> it makes you feel like your time is less important than me, right? And it took us a little while. But what ended up happening in that conversation, Amy, is that as I was talking it through, because we we don't give each other safe containers to talk this through, typically, you know, one of us will be um, interrupting because we really that person is is saying a story that we don't agree with and we want to get our word in there, but then we're not listening. So this you really have to agree to let the person who is talking fully finish. And not only that. Once you mirror back to them, you need to say, is there more? And as there was more, as I was talking this through, what I realized is that that is something that's already in me, that I, on some level, feel that his time is more important than mine based on what he has made in our marriage and based on what I have when it comes to finances, and that that's already in me somehow. And I learned that a long time ago a woman's place versus a man's place. And I was able to say to him, when you call for me without regard for what I am doing, how I'm spending my time, it proves to me this belief that I already have, that I'm not worth as much as you. 
and that mm. that that came out. So that that was so true. It's twenty percent. I'm irritated about him calling me, and we've gotten into some conflicts about that because he's like, "I'm doing this for you, babe," right? Um, yeah. and and I'm trying to explain to him how it makes me feel, but because he was asked to really listen and look me in the eyes, and because when I'm expressing to him as I'm going deeper in this conversation, the truth is coming out. And the truth is of the 80% that's already in me. And then the final piece of this is he is then asked to remember a time that he felt similarly. So Mary asked him, okay, so close your eyes and remember a time when you felt that somebody um, was making your time worth less when somebody didn't respect your time. And so the point is that you you remember a time, you don't say it, you just remember it. And our our memories are a part of us. So we can always go back to a memory as we know, whether it be negative or positive. So he went back and then when you really have that memory, you look at your partner and that's when you say, I totally get it. Mm. And everything changes in that moment. Um, you can feel it. You can feel it in yourself. I can feel it as I'm recounting it. You can feel it when you're watching others do it. And there's nothing between you anymore. Like you just want to hold that person. So um, what comes up for you when it comes to what you might express to Jeff? You asked about like a common irritation and we are very different. So he is amazing at being organized and always having the laundry done and folded and put away. And his car is immaculate and the dishes are done. He's just, he's just really great in that aspect. And I'm not, I'm kind of a little bit of a disaster when it comes to my organization and my clothes situation. We'll just call it that. I have clothes everywhere. And my car, my car is disordered. And I've always been like that. I can kind of ebb and flow through various stages of being organized or being more having stuff put away or in order. But that's a source of irritation between the two of us because I can see that it bothers him. But then it's also my stuff. I don't disorder his stuff. I don't mess up his car. I don't, um, I do put the dishes away and I don't leave messes in the common areas, I should say. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of me that knows that if he sees the interior of my car, he's going to roll his eyes and be like, oh my God. (laughs) And And I can see that he gets irritated and he has gone about like just taking it upon himself and cleaning out my car. And I don't want that. I don't want him to clean my car. One, because it kind of makes me feel bad about myself. And two, then it kind of sparks this rebellious streak in me Mm -hmm. that this teenage, this teenager that had the messy room and the messy car. Mm -hmm. The 80%. The 80%. And... So then I kind of hang on to that a little bit tighter that I don't want to be told what to do with 
my car or my clothes. So there's that. Like, it's not a big deal, I don't feel like, but it. I can see the irritation if he would have to ride in my car. That would really irritate him. He doesn't like to ride in my car. One, because it's lower to the ground, but two, because it's a mess. And his car is very clean and pretty and nice. And so he always wants to ride in his car. That's a that's a huge common irritation is just two people having a different level of what clean is or what orderly is. Like, let's face it, we're sharing our lives together. And um, that I, I can see that that would be a big source of irritation. And it would be interesting to hear if it is true that he is irritated it would be interesting to hear what that means for him, you know? And it would be interesting, you shared with us what it means for you, um, you know, based on your inner rebel and not being, wanting things the way that you want them and not being, not liking being told what to do. I don't think any of us really like being told what to do and that mm-hmm. that we don't ever really heal that from teenagers. Mm-hmm. So it would be it would be interesting to know what each of you um, are are making those actions mean. And then also there's so much to say around coming to acceptance around those kinds of differences. And Mary talked a lot about the differences generally, like very general between men and women and how we are in relationship and how we are in intimacy. And she talked also a lot about the love languages, which, you know, that's a lot of us know about the five different love languages. And having been around you and Jeff, I also wonder if one of his love languages is acts of service. So Mm, meaning doing things for you around the house to make your life easier, like cleaning your car and tidying up the dishes and not just because he likes it for himself. But I wonder if that's also one of the ways that he shows his love for you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he he's always doing stuff around for me. He he takes care of me in every way possible. And I feel very loved and very taken care of by him. Mm-hmm. And early on in our relationship, so we've been together 19 years. And early on in our relationship, we still had these characteristics back then. And And it would create a lot more conflict in the beginning because neither one of us would bend to the other. And then even more so, you know, I would dig in my heels and have my messy car, my messy, you know, closet. And in learning to love and accept each other just the way we were. And then if it began to create real conflict, he's one of those people that he gets up in the morning, puts on his clothes, you know, take a sh- takes a shower, puts on his clothes, puts on his shoes. He's ready to go. He's very, you know, ready. And I'm in my PJs till I'm forced to get out of them and much more sloth like, you know. And he would get up and he'd start cleaning and he'd vacuum and he, you know, clean the house and I would get irritated because mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that right then. Mm-hmm. I did not want to clean when he wanted to clean and he wanted things cleaned and wanted me to participate and it was on different schedules Mm -hmm. and so that was a source of irritation and we came to the agreement that we hired a cleaning service Mm -hmm. and it solved so much of our issues and I was happy to 
pay for it all out of you know my my money that I made because I knew it made him happy to come home to have a really clean house and it made me happy to not have to do it <laughs> myself <laughs> when I didn't want to do it and so it was a really great thing for our relationship to have a cleaning service and mm-hmm. it and I know not everyone can afford that and that that is an immense privilege I just want to say that it really took a huge source of irritation between the two of us and neutralized it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's priceless. Priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it might be helpful too. I'd like to know yours. I mentioned that one of the five love languages is acts of service and it is helpful to know what ours are and what our partners are because it does just help us with that level of acceptance that we might receive love completely differently than that person and that can cause conflict we might give love completely differently we might want to be loved in in a way that is not familiar to us that we we will then be invited to learn in order for the sake of the relationship so just it might be helpful to give a reminder along with acts of service is physical touch giving gifts words of affirmation and quality time so what would be yours i feel strongly about words of affirmation i think words are very powerful and i genuinely believe telling my loved ones that i love them and that they are beautiful and that they're smart and thanking them and showing gratitude. So definitely words of affirmation is, is a strong one for me. I love to, to show my love in that way. And he, I think I've been around Jeff and he definitely goes on and on about you to me. So is that, does he speak your love language? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, he does. He does as well. He does as well. And he does, he, I really feel like he thinks about me a lot, that he comes home, he's always thinking about, like, whether I've eaten or not, you know, like, he's bringing me food, like, he brings me food a lot, you know, and I just find that so loving that he's, mm-hmm. that he's worried about whether I've eaten, and then he gets me food, or he brings me food, or he asks if I've eaten, and and I just find that that is such a loving thing mm-hmm. that that he does for me. So I really feel cared for by him in that in that aspect. We have definitely had to learn one another's love languages. And this was, again, something that helped to save us. And it helped for us to find acceptance many years ago. Because I know that his love languages are, well, it's it's for sure physical touch. And for me, it is more quality time. And he would be very open, even when he comes on this show, if he will, to say that he can get very caught up in work and in what's going on in his mind. And before I came to the realization that any negative emotions that I was having towards him based on that tendency of his was 80% already in me. And that's to say that I'm somebody that has a bit of an abandonment wound. 
even though that wasn't the case necessarily as an, I'm as, as I'm an adult, I can see in my family of origin that was not the intention. Um, that was what I my reality was when I was a kid and a teenager. And so here's this girl with the abandonment wound marrying this man who goes off into his own mind all the time. <laughs> and, and so I didn't have the skills in our early years of marriage to realize that this is actually the way he loves me by by working and by having things work out and by providing. But the way that I need to be loved is to have somebody look me in the eye when I'm speaking and and be present with me and prioritize quality time and experiences. And what we've learned in our marriage is that that's important to me. And so I, I am the person that prioritizes the quality time and the experiences. And I'm a pretty good planner and he loves it when I do. So I get my quality time, but I've let go of needing him to be the one to provide it because I've realized that being irritated for him seemingly not paying enough attention or whatever, that's just in me. That's just that's just me having always needed attention and not getting it. And I've learned how to give that to myself. In fact, now the life that I've created for myself, I don't need him really at all. I'm choosing him each day because I I have created a life where I can absolutely take care of my inner world. And I even though, you know, we can all move into the past and reach for something external in order to change what's happening in our inner world. Um, you know, I know how to take care of that internal landscape and make it a nicer place to be. And if I'm triggered, it takes practice. It will take practice for the rest of my life. But I do know how to ask myself what's really going on and communicate with him. So, you know, I've kind of take it upon myself to be responsible for my own happiness. I don't make him responsible for my mental health or my happiness as I did in our earlier years of marriage. So now in our more mature years of marriage, I do get the quality time. He does understand that quality time is my love language and that's he's been willing to be more present. And I feel so tender towards him when I can see that, when I can see that he has the understanding of, oh, you know, I'm I'm not right here right now. And and then he does his best to be present with me. And I really appreciate it because the point was that did not come naturally for him. He had to work on that and he made a choice that it was worth doing that because he realized that that was my love language. And then his love language being physical touch, can you imagine me feeling, you know, triggered by my abandonment issues and then wanting to be lovey-dovey? <laughs> like, right. That, that wasn't working. And I know that um, a lot of women feel that way. You know, mm -hmm. They feel that they haven't had enough opportunities in the day to feel really seen and known. And at the end of the day, to think about intimacy just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, too, because I know that's his love language, you know, that that's something that I that I do throughout the day is it doesn't have to be sexual touch, but just touch, you know, and then I find that what happens in those moments, he is present because that really brings him back to his body and brings him back to me and our relationship and the love that we have. So it's a win-win. You know, I'm offering him physical touch and 
in return, you know, I'm, I'm receiving that quality time that is so important to me. So just an offering to, to figure out what is your love language and how does your partner like to be loved? And if that is vastly different, then it might be something to explore. Mm-hmm. So after this retreat, is there is there any aftercare or do you circle back around with Mary at some point? We, we for sure, they are available for us. But to answer about how does this look now that we are back in life, mm-hmm. I do admit that the first day I I had the blues <laughs> and and I and I knew why that was, you know, my mind kind of went into overwhelm because you open the door to your house and to your bills and to your responsibilities and family life and all the things that need to be done and the danger is thinking about those things all at once, right? And right. That's that's a that's never a good idea. Um, and so it took me a couple of days to re-enter and do the things that I know I need to do to take care of myself and take care of my body. It's a long journey home. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost a six-hour flight home. So just the act of the body sitting for that long, it doesn't make you feel good at all. So it did take me a couple of days to recover. But Cliff and I are spending time really talking about what was so special about staying at Haramara and bringing aspects of that home. So something about being at retreat there, it is completely different from real life in the fact that there's no electricity and it's completely open air. Now, it is not rustic or camping by any means. It's absolutely beautiful, but there are not windows on the casitas. There is a beautiful fabric Um, I guess it would be a mosquito net. There's not really many mosquitoes there, but there's beautiful fabric that you surround your bed with when you go to bed. And when you come to your casita, when you wind your way through these jungle trails to come to your very private casita, you have a ritual of lighting gas lanterns within your casita and you have a ritual of lighting candles in the bathroom. And then that's your light. And the candles just stay on, a couple of candles just stay on in the bathroom um, and they burn through the night as we sleep and there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cell service. (laughs) So for some people, this might feel panicky even thinking about all of this, but just having something completely different and the only thing to do was to connect with nature and connect with each other. And we even didn't bring books because we didn't want anything that we could retreat into we wanted to be together and we've been home and now the evenings are back to homeland (laughs) (laughs) but the difference is is that we sit down and we really connect first and we make sure there are fresh flowers and candles lit and i think that we're 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 definitely we've benefited so much especially from that mirroring exercise just the way that I feel confident in our communication now. And I feel confident that he will really hear me if I need to speak to him. And I feel confident that I know how to receive him if he needs to talk to me. So it was, it was incredible. And I can't wait for you to talk more about Nikolai because 
the work that we did with him, you know, it's it really is more about relationships as your own personal therapy. It really is. It, it, he is dealing with that 80 percent. So he's he's realizing, helping you realize what's coming up in these triggers in your relationships. And then how do you deal with that? And he's a body based therapist. So he really gets the body involved. And we've talked here on this podcast about the koshas, about the yogic map of a human being, how it's like the peels of an onion. We have our physical body, we have our energetic body, we have our conscious mind, our unconscious mind, and at the center is like true self. Mm -hmm. And his style of therapy is very aligned with that in that. So for instance, you shared with us that you move into withdrawal in conflicts. So if you think about that outer shell, our physical body, what does that look like and feel like when we move into withdrawal? So it's this inward focus. It's almost even making myself smaller physically and quieter and even physically removing myself from the room. So there's this inward focus. I'm not communicating outwardly anymore. I'm moving inward into that inward space. And what emotion are you masking? Anger and sadness. Mm -hmm. So he talked a lot about the masks that we wear. And we all need masks because then we wouldn't have any boundaries at all. Like we would just be so open that that would be completely depleting and exhausting for us. So Mm -hmm. we need masks, but we also need to have the awareness of, okay, what is this mask that I'm having for, for this particular situation and how is this protecting me and what is this hiding you know what authentic emotion here am I hiding and why Mm -hmm. and so he talks about these masks that we wear as being that outer shell and then in the koshas and the yogic map of the human body or the human being we move into kind of our energy which is also mixed in with emotions and that's where our our negative emotions live. And so for a lot of us, we're kind of moving in between negative emotions and masking them. You know, that's a lot of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so the next layer after that, which in yoga we would say is the unconscious mind, that's where our traumas live. And trauma doesn't, I mean, we all have trauma. We've talked about that here. There's big T traumas and little T traumas. And having something happen in your family of origin and then everybody just going to work. Right. That's right. That's trauma. Totally. Absolutely. And how does that compare to conflict and then just, you know, withdrawing? Yeah. Going back to that, you know, not, not being able to express grief, not being able to express grief in an open way taught me that it wasn't safe to yeah. grieve openly, yeah. that it wasn't allowed or desirable. And so internalizing that instead was what I was taught. And and then we see, you know, we see all these years later, we all do the same things. We learned how to keep ourselves safe as children. Mm-hmm. And we're, we were smart. We learned what masks to hide behind and we learned what mask got us love and what mask kept us safe. 
And we carry those with us and we act them out in our relationships, whether they be intimate or not. And so the invitation of this work is just, what are you really afraid of? What are you really sad about? And have the emotion directed there rather than outward at this person who is just being themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) It was not your typical, you know, tropical vacation. We, yes, we had fun and we rested and we swayed in hammocks and we ate glorious food, but we worked. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that's what I, that's what I really wanted for our 20th year to go into the next 20, you know, even stronger. Well, it sounds like it was the perfect offering for that momentous anniversary. It was. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And thank you for contributing and sharing a little bit. Um, And we'll just continue heading back into this topic because this is this is important. And we would love to hear from you, our sweet listeners, because Nikolai is going to be our upcoming guest on the show. Would you please um, send us your messages? You can private message us on our Instagram and Facebook pages at the Radiant Warrior Podcast and ask us your questions about relationships. Tell us about your typical conflicts and we'll ask Nikolai to give you a little help on what that might mean and a path for healing. So for anyone who is feeling called and curious, please ask your questions and and we'll present as many of them as we can. Mm, Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy that beautiful studio and uh, I'll talk to you next week, Amy. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.